live and direct from New York City. This is Beneath the Surface Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Nation Time Strategic Planning. We're here to do our part in helping our people thrive again. There's a lot of work to do. I'm Miss Eve, and this is Marae. We're privileged to spark off the most recent discussion. What's going on, Marae? How you doing? Everything's well. How's everything with you? Everything is well. Um, I was on campus today at, at the college that I work with, and they were filming um, a show called God Friended Me. Have you heard of that show? No. It sounds <laughs> interesting. God yeah. Friended Me. Yeah, basically on Did social they media. For no, no. <laughs> No, I wasn't. I wasn't down there, but I got to see it from a distance, and it was interesting to see a celebrity walking around. You know. Okay. Is it so, a good show? Uh, yeah, it's it's decent. I, I watch it from time to time. It's on one of those network stations. Okay. Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. But besides that, you know, things things have been pretty um, even keeled. Um, just had some family in town, so that was good as well. Okay. So. We're here to put on our gear, right? Right. And dive beneath the surface. surface. So what's today's topic, Marae? Do you remember what we discussed in pre-production? Uh, something about wellness. Yeah. Something about yeah. us not taking care of ourselves. Mm. Elevating to our higher form. I like the way that sounds, actually. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about spiritual, I mean, sorry, physical wellness more than spiritual. But okay. Yeah. So for the listener's sake, we've been doing a series called The Power of Indoctrination. Mm -hmm. And we've discussed religion, the ways that we're indoctrinated through religion. And we've also discussed um, ways that we've been indoctrinated. What is the other subtopic? Through... Uh, what is it? Uh, gender, in terms of the way that gender is viewed and gender right, roles right. are viewed, things like that. Anyway, the next one that we're going to get into is wellness, the power of indoctrination when it comes to wellness. Are you ready? Yeah. Because <laughs> you know these, t- these subjects get touchy, right? Well, I mean, we have to keep it real because, you know, it's really interesting. We'll mm-hmm. probably bring this up toward the end as well when we're doing a recap. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have your health, that's it. We could talk about a nation thriving and all that kind of stuff, but when you don't have your health, literally, if this is the if this is the vehicle that you go through this particular life in, and you don't have your health, that's literally it. Right, but isn't part of the problem the our approach to our health and how yep. we think we're getting ourselves healthy, and and you think you're getting yourself healthy, but you end up generating other problems mm. from taking care of one problem, and yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see. I kind of see that we're gonna have a, a, a lively discussion on this one. Right. <laughs> that right. means she's gonna start arguing with me again. But that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. That's what we're here for. But let's talk about it. I'm sure our listeners have something to definitely look forward to in this production. So let's do what we do. Let's just jump straight in and get to probably the most scary topic uh, around, really for the past half century or even more when it comes to our communities, and that is cancer. Okay. Yeah, cancer. Um, There are a few approaches that people have when, when they get the news, you know, that cancer has found its way into their bodily system. And I know, just to be personal for you all, my mother ended up dying of breast cancer uh, when I was in my mid-twenties. 
devastating. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's your that's my mother. Right. But second of all, I was in my mid twenties. Everybody expects to get old before their parents die. Sure. Um, and so, but one thing that I know that we experience as a family is whether to go the traditional route the modern treatments which at that time included chemotherapy and radiation and even now there are versions of those or the naturopathic treatment mm-hmm. that was really a big question with my family and i hope me bringing this up doesn't um, bring up bad feelings to any listeners but you know we we're here for a purpose and discussing this type of issue is one of them and so I just want to say something real quick before you jump in my point in bringing this up is to say I think that that's a common question especially for people with a certain level of consciousness and you know that you know your body is a natural organism and and introducing natural um, things to it in order to heal it uh, makes sense to some people whereas other people say look I don't know anything about that I just know what you know the medical establishment has told me okay so i'm gonna say this before yeah. we start off you know one thing we have to realize is that you know there's some uncomfortable topics that we have to approach sometimes yeah and that's because we need to make others aware of how they should approach the topic mm. later on so not that when you talk about wellness obviously we're going to talk about things that affect us cancer is something that affects us greatly as a people yeah um especially here in america and there's different ways that you can go about it right and so i think one of the things that happens is that cancer can strike at any time it's not like it it addresses one age group no then there's the type of cancer that you have that will also stop and tell you what type of treatments you need to go through and so we're not going to be able to approach all of those things but we can talk about some of the different things that's going on okay so here's one of the first things you know cancer's a really tough one because the reality is is that if you do not address it you will probably die and so mainly because it goes from stage one two three and four right. when well, it gets it to stage four you know that means that it, and just so that people understand uh, among among many things that can be said about cancer when it gets to stage four that means it is obstructing um the ability of your major bodily organs to function which is why death uh, usually comes as a result of that stage one there's a tumor and it's growing and it may not have spread to prevent your body from functioning correctly right and so when that happens we stop and we ask ourselves how do we go about this now i heard you speak about chemotherapy you know a lot of times even with chemo there's the side effects of chemo Mm -hmm. and what it does but sometimes that may be the thing you need to do in order to get the cancer out of your body and just yeah i just i just have to you know i'm glad that i'm glad you brought that up but I, i just wanted to say something that um seems to be the perspective of people who are anti-chemo and I can't say that I don't understand this perspective and that is um, how do you think the body is supposed to heal when you're putting a chemical into it or a a toxin into it how do you introduce a toxin into the bodily system and then expect healing to take place well I believe the idea is that there is one thing you're putting in that will kill it And that even though the thing that you're putting in your body is not good for you, your body can fight that off Mm. 
as opposed to the thing that's inside your body that your body is not fighting on. But even still, we remember after that, that we have to remember after that, that the cancer can actually come back. Yeah. It's, there's no 100%, oh, this is what happened. There is follow-up even after you do chemo and things of that nature, and you find out from there. And, you know, a lot of times we have to stop and ask ourselves, but is there something we were doing that introduced the cancer into our body? In the first place. Right? And so a lot of times we don't like to admit it to ourselves, but it's, it's what we intake. It's what we're rubbing on our skin. It's what we're eating. It's what we're inhaling. It's what we're drinking. It's what we're breathing in. You know, the society we live in just has a lot of things around it. You know, secondhand smoke. If you smoke the cigarette, that's bad. But if you inhale the secondhand smoke, that's yeah. also bad also. I think they say so, it's worse, actually. Right. So carcinogens. Yeah. Right. And so when we start dealing with those things, that's when we have to look at these things. And then even for treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, we spoke about that. We have to consider the fact that you're going to have to do something. Now, I've had friends who have gone the route of, you know, oh, I'm going to take the chemotherapy. And also I've had friends who have taken the route that said, oh, I'm going to use herbs and I'm going to heal it naturally. So what kind of resp- what kind of results have you seen in this, I guess, the small sample size that you're talking about? Um, so two of them that tried to use herbs, I did not. Unfortunately, I did not see them be successful. Mm. Both of them passed. Mm. And the one guy who said that he had it, he said that it worked for him. The herbs. So I, the herbs. Okay. So I don't know exactly what he did. But I know he went on to refer other people on how to use the herbs, and he um, kind of told himself as an herbologist. Okay. But um, it's I. He's definitely not a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, not but, even a naturopathic doctor. Right. Yeah. But he is he is very well versed on herbs and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. whatever happened there, you know, went from there. But. It's, you know, it's, it's all along the same lines of what we eat, um, starving out, not giving the, the cancer thing cells to live off of so that eventually it kills itself off. And then you have a lot of people who believe that, you know, that's how a lot of our diseases that we have inside of our bodies, if we don't give it anything to live off of, yeah, then it'll go from there. Yeah, I just, um, I think it's really important to talk about what the American Medical Association says cancer is. Mm -hmm. It's a disease in which abnormal cells divide uncontrollably and destroy body tissue. And that's what eventually leads to expiration because the body is being destroyed by this abundance, out of control, abundant um, multiplication of of abnormal cells. And uh, you were talking about chemotherapy and it's pretty um, telling that we have all these ambulances <laughs> behind uh, yes. us, you know. But um, in terms of chemotherapy, uh, the AMA says that that is the therapeutic use, therapeutic use of chemical agents to treat disease, uh, especially the administration of one of uh, administration of more than one uh, cytotoxic 
drugs to destroy or inhibit the growth and division of malignant cells in the treatment of cancer. And of course, what that does is it attacks the, the growth of those cancerous cells, but it also attacks the good cells. And that's why you have some people losing the weight and losing their hair and all of that. And some people will say, they, if someone passed, they'll say they died of chemotherapy and all those chemicals in their system, which is the reason that some people say, okay, I'm gonna look to alternative forms of, of medicine. So I think it's interesting that the two of the people that you know or that you knew died. They ended up dying taking the herbs. Now, this does not mean that herbs don't work. It just, you know, it could just be what they chose. Um, but the, the, you know, from the Cancer Research uh, Center basically says, you know, herbal medicine can use plants or plant extracts to treat illness and promote health. Um, but at the same time, that same organization says there's not enough evidence, not enough scientific evidence to use it as a cancer treatment. So the conspiracy theorists respond mm. by <laughs> saying, well, there is more uh, money in the treatment than in the cure. And that's the reason that not enough of a sample size, even over the course of millions, has been able to support herbal. Um, or they'll say, OK, Dr. Sabi has already found a cure. And so it's, it's really a, a confusing topic when you know, you're in a situation like my mother was in which um, here the disease is and then you have to make a decision and all you know is you want to live. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what my parents ended up doing, not that I don't, not that I think that uh, a different uh, outcome would have happened otherwise because we don't live in a parallel universe where we could see, you know, but they decided to do both. They decided to go, you know, to their normal um, health uh, care provider in, in terms of naturopathic health. Uh, and get certain herbs and potions, etc. And they also decided to do the chemo and radiation, which unfortunately were unsuccessful. With, anything wrong with doing both? Well, I, I don't know that. I, I think I think. Okay, I don't have any research to back this up because I don't know if research has been done on this. But I think that there might be a clash um, when you have both because you have one uh, type of cure that is introducing uh, natural. Items into the body mm -hmm. uh, in order to promote healing, but then you have another one that's that's trying to to detox the body of these types of issues by introducing toxins. It's almost like uh, the chemotherapy is is toxic, and it seems like the herbs have to work overtime um, in order to well, not the just the herbs are fighting two battles. Yeah, it's it's almost like the, <laughs> I would think that the herbs are fighting two battles. They're fighting against the chemotherapy. And then also fighting against, you know, the cancer. But I think you, but I, I do want to say, I think you brought up a very important topic, and that is what are carcinogenic items in our environment so that hopefully you won't encounter this problem in the first place? Yeah, and also we're going to get ready to take a break. But yeah. what I'm going to say is when we get back, I want to talk, uh, talk about what we do before we get to that point. Do we have compromised immune systems? Are we actually, do we have enough health and wellness that when our bodies get sick, it's prepared to fight off these things? Or is this as a result of years of onslaught of us not actually building up our immune systems to the point yeah. where it can fight off these diseases?
So looking at WebMD as a source, and I know a good number of our listeners know about WebMD right, because sometimes right. when something happens to you. It's where we go to self-diagnose. <laughs> exactly. <tell the> truth. <laughs> For, yeah, that's self-diagnosis right there. So, but according to WebMD, we, because I think that, again, Maury, you brought up a really good topic, which is what is it that introduces cancer in the first place? In other words, what is it that causes the body to um, identify a toxin mm -hmm. and attempt to uh, build a tumor around the toxin because that's what a tumor is to mm -hmm. protect the, the body's environment from the tox toxin mm -hmm. but unfortunately the multiplication of those cells that creates the tumor get out of control correct um, so you know what can we do on the front end and so WebMD mentions a few things that are the most common carcinogens or cancer causing elements tobacco is on the list of course tobacco comes from smoking and chewing tobacco radon okay so there radon is just one of like this is a gas basically it's you know um sometimes you can breathe it in uh and it lines your lungs just like or similar to the way that uh tobacco um especially the chemicals in cigarettes can asbestos now our homes are supposed to be rid of asbestos <laughs> but some of us supposed yeah, to be <laughs> some of us live in environments uh that uh have more working or work yes in environments that uh that have asbestos prior to asbestos having been you know known to be carcinogenic crispy brown foods okay so we're talking about um eating you know uh, oily or deeply fried foods uh, too often formaldehyde <laughs> ultraviolet rays alcohol processed meat pollution and engine exhaust these are the things the ultraviolet rays we can get that from the sun right we can get those from the sun okay. um if we don't you know protect our skin including us melanated people right. against it so what do you have to say about limiting um the exposure to things that could introduce cancer to the to the body so steve i'm just gonna tell you this in order for us to limit our exposure to carcinogens and deadly chemicals, we have to be aware of what deadly chemicals are. We have to be aware of how these things are being intake. It is the intake process is happening to our bodies. And so, you know, it's long time exposure to the sun. They'll tell you that you need the sun because you need the vitamin D. Yes. But at the same time, too, there's the point where you've been out on the beach or out in the sun too long, and then it becomes damaging to your body. Yes. Right? Um, the very chemicals we use in our household to mm -hmm. clean our houses, mm -hmm. you know, that your favorite spray that you use on your tub or you use to clean your baseboards or you use to clean your counters. And, you know, you spray it and you start coughing and you're like, why am I cleaning but I'm coughing? Yeah. That's your body signifying to you. That's the signal. It's like, hey, this there's, there's harsh chemicals in here. So a cough is a way that your body is like, get... <coughs> Get this right out of me right well listen <laughs> when you got a cold yeah what's your body do you trying to cough it's trying out? to expel something right mm -hmm. i said so you know if we go off of that premise we have to be make ourselves more aware and educate ourselves to what's deadly what's in our food what's in what we intake in our bodies and make sure that we don't over consume and make sure that we're not dealing with our bodies in such a way that it becomes affected by those things that are harmful to us. Mm. Yeah, so 
you know, that kind of transitions uh, this conversation into our the culture of our families, mm-hmm. uh, especially within our nation and, and, you know, what we're trying to build into, which is being a healthy uh, group of people. Well, right now, we find that a lot of family cultures within um, our people group neglect discussing about uh, or neglect discussing uncomfortable health topics. And so things like that can prevent a lot of the healthy uh, recommendations that you're making. For example, if you don't know that your grandparent had the C word, because even now some people are uncomfortable discussing that, mm-hmm. um, or if, if there's a mental health issue that someone had in the past, or you know there's uh, hypertension and other issues that we tend to deal with more commonly than other groups of people, and it's not being mentioned, then how can people who are alive now actually uh, put themselves in a position to have a lifestyle in which they um, would prevent you know, the, having these sort of recurring issues. So I, I think one thing that we want to encourage uh, all of us to do is talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, and sometimes it can be challenging for some of the older relatives uh, to discuss <laughs> some of these these issues. Uh, but it's it can I be life changing. Can't talk about this with my grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if you can. I don't know if your grandmother is. It would be shy about talking about health issues because not everybody's the same. But uh, what do you what are your thoughts about about having these types of discussions and and communicating that it's important that people in our generations and younger would know about what's going on with our family so that we can make better choices. I was just about to say those type of discussions need to be had. That's not we call it that that is not um, it's not an option. These discussions need to be mandatory. You know, as as the matriarch, as the patriarch, you are obligated to teach the generation behind you, those generations behind you, of what they should not be involved in, what they should not be doing in order that they don't fall into the same pits that you fell into. And even though you climbed out of that pit, It makes no sense for us to follow that generational curse where we stop and we're silent on certain things, but there's other things we're definitely vocal on. And so health is one of those things. Health, our bodily health, our mental health, whether we realize it or not, if we don't take care of our physical health, it will eventually affect our mental health. Well, look at this common retort. The common retort is this. Mm -hmm. My great-grandfather ate chitlins his whole life. He didn't die till he was 105. And my grandmother did the same thing. Hog maws, pig feet, you know, they fried the chicken. They, They ate you know, the only thing they had to do was to drink the the pot liquor at the bottom of the uh, of the collard greens, and and look, they lived till they were 110. Every every family has this story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. So so I, I, I can eat so. the same way as they did because yeah. look, they lived to be 100 yeah. and X Y Z. And and my four parents were slaves picking cotton in the field and getting bull whipped, and they survived. Yeah. And here we are today, and I don't see you doing that also. So. What you talking about exercise or are you talking about they were a different type of person? I'm talking about you going and deciding to be a slave and saying, Oh, uh, I'll go into free will slavery. <laughs> it's just the idea you like, listen, just because they did it, that doesn't mean that it was right. 
And just because they survived, that doesn't mean it was right. We consider ourselves to be a progressive people. Yeah. And in being a progressive people, that means we cannot continue to make the same mistakes that others made. And so, yes, there will always be the conversation on what's the acceptable part of an animal to eat and what animals we can eat and what we can't eat. But the idea is is what you're eating contributing to your health crisis and we can't get beyond that yeah when we eat blood okay it contributes to our health crisis when we eat fat it contributes to our health crisis when we cook in fat it contributes to our health crisis when we eat food Dale, the doctor will be the first one to tell you when you eat food medium rare that increases your likelihood of getting the disease that the animal had than as if you had cooked the meat fully and completely. Well, there's a, yeah, there's an asterisk at the bottom of the menu. No, <laughs> it tells us what's going on. Exactly. So, but, but, but still, I think that that, I, I want to know from you if you think there's, there's another variable at play. Because again, people will, right now will say. The variable um, besides God. I'm, I'm talking about the variable that would make it so that a person now is eating the same chitlins and fat back that their great-grandmother ate and right now they're clutching their chest at 40 but their great-grandmother lived to be 85, 90, 95 but are there other variables? Is it that we are now sedentary and or and that might contribute, contribute to our, our health being Could worse be. than those people? What is it that caused them to live so long on this type of food? Overconsumption we are a people in the 21st century who we we overconsume. We are more eating has become more cultural. Eating has become more social activity than as opposed to something that causes us that allows us to go on that allows us to live. We actually now so we eat, live eat to eat instead of live, instead of eating to live instead of eating to live. We actually now sit down and when I want to have a good time with friends, yeah. it's time for me to eat as opposed to I'm hungry and then we have to ask ourselves the question, at what point did eating become a part of social activity that made it say, "Oh, when I'm eating, now I'm happy." Because when you begin to associate eating with your happiness, mm. then that begins to become an even greater problem. Yeah. So um, thoughts about the way that you that we can speak to our older relatives because we have we have different types of older relatives, but you you but some of them would be a little hesitant about talking about things that uh, that in their generation was taboo, and you want to respect them. You don't want to just come at them and say, "See, I got this," because nobody said anything. Any thoughts about about how to approach, you know, your 95-year-old wow. grandmother? Well, humility, humility, and humility. Be humble. You know, no matter what, they're still your parents. They're still your foreparents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. Um, and the reality is that now millennials take care of their grandparents more than their parents. <laughs> the, the, the millennials don't necessarily take care of their parents. They take care of their grandparents by virtue of them still living at home. But then when you're taking care of your grandparents, that's the time to have the conversation because it has become the thing. Is It's not necessarily taboo, but it's like, oh, I talk about this with my doctor. I don't talk about this with you, okay. right? And then we always want to give the idea of not complaining. Of, oh, I'm complaining about my knee again. I'm complaining about my back again. I'm complaining about my stomach again. Yeah. I'm complaining about my neck again. And oh, by the way, I got a headache. 
and now I got 18 pills before me for all these different things. We have to have the conversation, not be afraid to have the conversation with our children and with our grandchildren to stop and say, hey, listen, this is what happened at this point. This is when I ate like this, when I did these things. Yeah, I was happy when I ate these things, but unfortunately, this is what it gave me. It gave me a bad heart. It gave me high blood pressure. Yeah. This is what eventually led to my stroke. Mm. This is what led to my diabetes. This is what led to me actually having glaucoma. You know, we don't look at these different things. We just stop and we look at the end of it all and like, okay, what do I have to do now? But is that what we need to do? So that's what I was saying earlier about us having the conversation yeah. that we need to make sure that from an early age, if we stop and tell ourselves, give us, give ourselves a healthy dose of herbs, of vitamins, of minerals, that that will keep us in peak condition that as our body starts to decline, it won't decline drastically. It will be a gradual decline. pills 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 and uh, I know that when you look at an elder's uh, medicine cabinet you often see pills on top of pills uh, and so there are uh, blood pressure pills which almost everybody especially in a certain age group takes and then you have uh, pills related to getting the vitamin D and then pills related to uh, hypertension etc and I think iron. another yeah iron pills another way that we're indoctrinated is into believing especially from our healthcare providers that pills are the way to go uh, and, and it's okay to just take pills on top of pills uh, what are your thoughts well it goes back to our diet right if you're not going to get it through your food you got to get it some way well so let's just talk about iron do you think that it's good to just assume a person won't eat the amount of greens or juicy amount of greens that they need to get the proper iron and just kind of give up and say, okay, I'm just going to take this pill or I'm going to do an iron infusion. So here we go again. By the time you get to your doctor, there's a problem. Your iron is low. Yeah. So you haven't been doing what you need to do to keep your iron levels up. Whether you are aware of what you needed to do or not. Here's the reality. You go to the doctor, you pay your doctor, he writes you a prescription, but who decides to fill it? Well, it, the, per, the the patient should, should be the one to fill it. Okay. But why do we think we'll, we'll, we'll follow that prescription more than we'll follow the prescription that says, okay, you need more vitamin K in your system, go get those greens in your, in your body. It's easier. It's easier to pop a to pill. To pop a pill. It's easier to stop and go, okay, I don't feel well now. Let me go pop a pill. You gotta actually cook your vegetable. You actually have to go out and get your vegetable and say, oh, this, this. And then, you know, we do the, oh, but I really don't like that vegetable. I really don't. And then how much of the vegetable do I need to eat to get it out of there, right? And then, you know, so we've become wiser. So now we've created smoothies. And so, you know, I don't need to just eat the spinach or the kale straight up. Yeah, I can actually mix this in, right, and do that. But... How many people actually have the means to do that? And then if you're like myself, who hates smoothies, it's like, I'm not drinking that. Oh, my God. So now the, the, the difference for me is I'll cook the vegetable. I'll cook the, anyway, <laughs> well, we I'll cook cook the, the vitamin out of the and eat the vegetable. Okay. But, but some people don't come near a vegetable with their with a 12-foot pole. Right. And so you can, you can juice it also. Yeah. And, you know, however you're going to get it done. But 
we have to be more mindful of what we're taking into our bodies, right? Says our bodies need 21 amino acids Mm -hmm. and only 11 of them our bodies produce. So that means the other 10, we have to find some other way to get them. Meat or some other form of protein. Right. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, we look at that. But then there's such a thing as, you know, too many amino acids, like with all things. So we have to learn about balanced diet. How often is proper diet introduced in curriculum in school? How come we are not teaching this to our kids? How come we are waiting for grandparents to tell us what went wrong before we decide to take care of our body when really we should have been taking care of our body from day one. So that goes back to nation time strategic planning and how when you're building a nation you start off with the family unit. Correct. And a lot of times I hear people asking why schools don't teach X, Y, and Z. And my question is always why is it the dads and moms and extended family members aren't teaching it? Yes, but you do can't they necess- know? Well, that's the thing. You can't necessarily teach what you don't know. At the same time, we're in the information age. And at this point, there is not much of an excuse. Um, I was at a family friend's house a few days ago. Okay. And we were able to ask Alexa, uh, Alexa any question in the world. No. Every once in a while, she did not put know. Put Alexa on the table. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, put Alexa on the table, you know. But yeah, so I think that when we're talking about the power of indoctrination, I I personally do not think that it is good that we've been indoctrinated to believe that just popping pills is is a better way to go or an easier way to go than just finding the nutrients from our food, throwing it into some kind of device and and consuming it right there. I think that it's unhealthy to to depend on pills. On the other hand, uh, it's better to take that that iron pill than to neglect getting your iron from you know, spinach Any or sauce. kale. Right. Um, yeah, it's better to, to get the iron than not to get it. Uh, but but I think that when it comes to indoctrination, um, when it comes to being indoctrinated about a variety of these wellness issues, uh, we need to combat and challenge the indoctrination that says, oh, just, just, just pop a pill and encourage uh, balanced nutrition within our families. If it doesn't start there, where will it start? Okay. Yeah. So that happens to deal with the options that we have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Okay. And then the food deserts, is that what you're, what you're moving into? Yeah. And so, yeah, and some of us do live in literal food deserts. Uh, I think I mentioned to you, this was ages ago, but well, one time, well, I think I was, in, I was in grad school and I was getting my hair braided mm-hmm. in, at an African braiding shop in a neighborhood that was... Um, economically challenged challenged and right. <laughs> and and so since i was going to be sitting there for nine hours to get my hair braided of course i was looking for some food to eat <laughs> uh beforehand okay. and so at that time i was doing Price the vegan thing mm-hmm. and yeah i was doing the vegan thing so i just said oh i'll just go to the stores before the term food desert was even a big uh, was even a big thing so I'll just go to the store, get some something He's to eat, get some vegan and I'll food be good. In well, an economically challenged well, neighborhood. No, I wasn't even looking for vegan food because not all vegan food is good. Some, you know, and that's another topic altogether about how a lot of times vegan food is pro- more processed than anything. Sure. I was just talking about basic fruits and vegetables right. that can come from the ground. Right. So I went over that neighborhood and found zero natural food that came from the ground. Right. Everything was boxed and packaged in one 
one way or the other. Pork skins. There was just there was jerky, literally no actual food. Honey to buns. Eat. <laughs> oh my goodness. All that other stuff that you like. <laughs> so there's good. There's no food around here. There was no. Food How are y'all surviving? To eat. <laughs> Right, and, and and their whole neighborhoods, and so you you bring up a, an excellent point, which is some people actually do not have options in their general oh, um, sure. vicinity, and and will have to go literally out of their way in order to get actual food. Right. Yeah. And I said, and part of the problem too is that we spurn it, right? Once mm. we see the food, then we're like, ah, I don't really want that. You don't even realize you're changing your palate. Mm. to not want to accept the things that actually are going to help you survive and keep you healthy and so the very idea that I can go into my medicine cabinet and take some Tylenol take some Pepto-Bismol for a stomach ache or some what is that milk of magnesia right or take an Alka-Seltzer or now that I have the flu take some Theraflu and things of that nature as opposed to taking things like oregano and olive oil right or the infamous black seed oil yeah or having Ooh, vitamins vitamin Ooh, d kind of that well hey listen i mean it, it's good for you but black seed oil i have to cover my note but it's good for you <laughs> well here's the thing no matter what you're going to have to do something yeah and how are you getting it out your food what what type of food are we eating we eating white bread or we eating wheat bread? And what's the nutritional value that we're getting from it? We still can't answer these questions. Are we eating white rice or are we eating brown rice? What's the nutritional value we're getting from it? Whole foods. We can't answer right. You know, we what type foods. of, usually we're talking about vegetables with dinner, but what are we eating with breakfast mm. that we're getting vitamins and minerals out of it? Mm. Are you eating your daily dose of fruits? How much water are we intaking? Because all of these things, it's it's a whole composite. It's not just one thing where we just stop and we look and it's like, okay, I just need some vitamin D and I'm good to go. And so I talked earlier about that gradual change that our body goes through because as our body is changing and we actually require more things, we don't even realize that our diet is affecting our sleep patterns. Yeah. And now when it's affecting your sleep patterns, what do you do? And then when you don't sleep properly, you're breaking down even more. And then by the time you look up, you're asking yourself, how did I get here? Yeah. But you never educated yourself to keep yourself in such a way that you would remain healthy. Moray, you're doing a lot of talking about food, and I think we need to keep it all the way real in some parts of our community and among certain groups of people obesity is actually admired talking about fat people round people obesity is actually admired (laughs) (laughs) and bad eating habits are everybody like a thick girl exactly everybody like a big old teddy bear right (laughs) you know so so you have so you have a, a situation where we're being cornered Maybe from at least two different, um, two different angles. Bad yeah. eating habits are, in some circles within our people, considered culturally authentic. Talking about that eight cheese macaroni. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> yes. So we just passed Thanksgiving, for example, mm-hmm. and some people. I think I saw on social media recently, which said 
that uh, there was some kind of meme that said that the mac and cheese is more central to the meal than the turkey. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, you know, macaroni and cheese, really? I mean, of course, it's delicious, but do you realize what is, what is involved there? You know, we have a an un, we have refined uh, flour in the in the in the in the uh, pasta, and then all kinds of cheese, and then when you put extra things in there, like I do, mm-hmm. forget about it. It's called heart attack macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. So, but but the thing is, is that we have so much within our uh, cuisine, mm-hmm. uh, within soul food and other forms of, of black cuisine, that can be, you know. Um, unhealthy but it's considered culturally authentic this is what we turn to when it's time to hang out with family and then as you said earlier obesity is admired nobody wants that skinny girl you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know big legged gal all these different terms mm-hmm. are are kind of working against us in terms of us uh, doing the things you were recommending so a couple things going on said one you know you have to remember everything that we eat will not necessarily be nutritional not everything. There will be some things when we eat dessert, that is, we are not eating dessert to be <laughs> nutritional. We're eating dessert to enjoy it. And that's okay. The problem is not eating a slice of pie. The problem is eating the entire pie. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is not having a piece of carrot cake. The problem is when you have a piece of carrot cake and a piece of cheesecake and a piece of strawberry shortcake and some German ice cream cake. And, and and a mousse right chocolate mousse is, let me just then, explain something to you oh, here we, we, go. we have to so no, no. chocolate mousse is one of the best we not things gonna get off topic. on earth <laughs> right i got you so <laughs> i just have to say that we 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 all have our desserts we enjoy but are we doing it in moderation mm. and so when you're not intaking sugar in moderation that's a problem. The macaroni and cheese ain't do nothing. It's how you've been treating your body. If you think you're going to eat macaroni and cheese every day mm. for the next 20 years of your life, you will see what will happen to you. You Push have to understand how to deal with your body in such a way that it will persevere through time. Okay, so it sounds like the idea for people who can practice self-control, which is a challenge I have, but it sounds like the idea is that there's certain things that we consume and should consume on a regular basis. So when we talk about that water and the fruits and the vegetables and the whole grains and the, mm-hmm. and the good proteins, mm-hmm. regular basis. And then when it comes to some of these other uh, types of food or non-foods, mm-hmm. It's okay, but it should not be something that's consumed on a daily basis. Because as you said, you have macaroni and cheese every day. You know, you'll be, you know, six feet under by the time you're 50 years old. How often do we talk about portion control? You know, it's as interesting. Families. Well, you know, but, but I, you, as soon as you said that, I automatically thought about my travels. Mm-hmm. Our, our, um, our uh, listeners know that I like to travel and all of that. And one thing that I notice immediately, no matter where I go on this earth, is the difference <laughs> in portions that we're given when we go out to eat there and when you come out to eat here. When you go to a restaurant in the United States, mm-hmm. that plate is actually a platter. It's not a plate, it's a platter. And it, that's a lot of food, whereas a lot of other places, especially when they don't realize that they're serving Americans, because a lot of people adjust. Um, 
you kind of look at that little bowl for for your yogurt or for some and you're like where's the rest of it because we're used to the portions that we have here well and that's something to consider Mm -hmm. but also what about our own homes how often do we have the conversation about portion control because when i go out and i purchase something i purchase what i purchase i choose how much i eat okay whether we realize it or not I don't have to finish the plate. I choose to finish the plate. And so when that happens, it's even portion control. You said that the plates are smaller when you travel abroad, Overseas, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what's preventing me from buying two? Mm. Okay. What's preventing me from buying three? Because we see that here. You'd be like, you'll get a platter here. Yeah. But you got some people who's ordering two platters. You're like, mm. you really going to eat all of that? <laughs> so when is enough enough? And do we have those type of conversations in our homes to stop and say, hey, listen, this is how much you should be eating. This is not how much you should be eating. And, you know, we'll always have the problem with portion control because we're different people. Somebody can watch me eat a lot and they'll be like, there's no way he's going to eat all of that. Then they watch me eat it and they go, where'd you put all that food? (laughs) With somebody else, women complain about that all the time, right? You'd be like, they eat a little bit. Well, when a man is lean and it's like, where the world did all that food go? Right. And then when I, if I eat it, then then you might as well put that food on my hips. Right. And so when that happens, we need to have a better conversation about portion control because that's that part of wellness that stops and says, is our body having a hard time breaking down Mm. what it has taken in and can it get rid of it? A lot of the time, the things that make us sick are things that are still sitting inside of our body that our body could never get rid of, and we can't understand why. You know, when you when you mentioned that, uh, I think some of our listeners can remember there being a McDonald's experiment in which a McDonald's hamburger and uh, I think it was a small fry was yep, placed on a counter. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's still a, a clock ticking associated with that. I think it's been nine years. And you look at that, and it looks the same that it looked when it was first placed on the counter. Mm. And, of course, that tells us that what we're looking at actually is not food. Um, because it's been, or it's extremely small, it's an extremely small portion of food. Because it should have, yes, it should have. And a lot of times we complain when we bring fruits and vegetables home and they have a shelf life of one in two days, but that's what the shelf life should be. If the shelf life is, is, is less than, or is more than that, then that means that there is a, a preservative. Something right. designed to preserve it, and the preservative, for the most part, does not belong in the human body. Right, and if it's being preserved inside your body, then when you can't get rid of it, just imagine how that's going. Down. Mm. Your body's not utilizing it. And then when you have a blockage, yeah. then you know you're ready to get rid of your food, but you can't get rid of your food, and that was because that was the thing that your body couldn't break down. You're bringing up uh, communication in a way that might make some people uncomfortable. And I know that you bring up, you talk about communication a lot, which is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it sounds like you were saying, 
when it comes to portion control mm -hmm. in our households, do we actually encourage one another in that way? And that is a touchy subject. Or discourage mm -hmm. each other. Well, I mean, encourage. Well, I, I'm using I that as a positive word to say, I encourage you to, to remember stop. that a portion, right. in, in, right. and this is something that is in a variety of sources, so I won't cite one in particular, but a portion is the palm of one's hand. So your, your protein should right. not be any larger, especially if it's a meat protein. Beans are a little different. But how do we know? You I'm know? hungry. And or or if you or if you um, cup your hands together, uh -huh. uh, a portion of your vegetables will be able to fill and overflow within the the cupping of your hands together. But and so encouraging each other. When I say encouraging, I mean to stick to those types of right. portions. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And so those are challenging topics for a husband. A husband telling his wife, "Honey, I encourage you to right, to consider right. no. the, this portion and That's that him portion." That's him telling her she getting bad. <laughs> And then poor man, you know, having to end up in the doghouse. Encouraging each other to have, to, to eat better. Yes. And to discourage each other, discourage one another yeah. from overeating. Mm -hmm. So this it's a dual thing going on. Encourage one another to have better selections when we go to the supermarket of what we snack on, what we'll eat, what we'll have for dinner, and discourage one another from just grabbing any and everything. Yes. I sit down and I say, we spend far less time reading labels when we should be totally involved in reading the label, reading its nutritional value, reading you know the very idea of the juices that we drink that's probably aiding to our dehydration. Mm. That you sit down, how many grams of sugar is in you know a cup of this juice? Cause I pour two cups every time. My, my glass is this big, yeah. like this this high. I fill it up, and while I may not drink it in one setting, I drink it over the course of maybe an hour, two hours, and then how much sugar have I taken in in that amount of time? And then do we compare that to how much water we drink? So unfortunately, we are more reactive yeah. as opposed to being proactive, and that's that communication part that I always like to talk about. We need to communicate how we can be proactive, take a better approach to our personal health so we can last longer. Regarding the cultural authenticity, we do have the ability to transition our culture. Right. Our family culture and then the culture of us as a nation of people within this nation. Um, we don't have to just say, oh, that's our culture, <laughs> like sure. in a ragdoll fashion. We can say, this is the type of culture that we're building. And what, and we can also determine what's culturally authentic, instead of just doing what has already been done, and and, and uh, dealing with the, re the with the with the health related results. So in this episode, we talked about cancer and the way that people uh, think about how they should treat this disease. We dealt with family culture and how it contributes to or retracts from uh, the discussion of uncomfortable health topics. And we also discussed pills and uh, where they uh, fall short as well as where they benefit us in terms of our health. And then finally, the issue of, uh, of obesity and bad eating habits and the cultural uh, authenticity idea 
that we have when it comes to our cuisine, which is very close to our hearts, of course. Right. Any thoughts about this talk in general, Murray? Um, great topic, as usual. Um, I just want us to understand, in us communicating about this topic, you're not being told what to do. You're actually being encouraged to make better decisions in what you do. So it's not necessarily don't take pills. It's be aware of the type of pills that you're taking. And is there an alternative? Is the t- A nutritional the alternative. Right. Mm-hmm. Are the pills you're taking actually doing damage someplace else? And there's a safer, healthier alternative? Or are you just not reading what's on the label? And that's what's preventing you from thinking, you know, what you need to do. Read the labels in the supermarket. Make better decisions as far as your health choices. Map out a menu. You know, it's 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 amazing that we do all of this off the top of the dome. Yeah. Map out a menu for your breakfast, for your lunch, for your dinner. Stop and say to yourself, this is that that portion control I was talking about. All right, I'm not gonna I'm, this is all I'm gonna eat in the morning. And then I'm not gonna eat again until twelve or one o'clock. Mm-hmm. And you know, what are you eating in the morning? Are you skipping meals? Challenge yourself, find out what's going on, and then take a better approach to your health and see the doctor. It's okay. See the doctor. Let them check out your levels. Let them tell you where it looks like you're going low at. Find out what your blood pressure is. See what's happening because then you can know about the, you can make a better, more informed decision concerning your menu options and what you should and shouldn't be taking. You know, some of those pills we take, you'd be like, might be helping you in one area, but it raises your blood pressure in, yeah. in the other. Yeah. And so when that happens, we want to be a more informed people, a better educated people, and thereby being a healthier people. As was mentioned in the beginning of this episode and alluded to throughout, when it comes to these topics, we need to determine what kind of culture we're going to have. Because if we don't have these bodies, and if these bodies aren't functioning well, we have no nation that we're building. We have you. You can't move past lack of health. You want to want to do certain things educationally, and we're we're trying to build a uh, buy land or or move to certain countries or or have Black Wall Streets and be be progressive economically and politically and all that. None of that happens when we're Correct. bent when we're doubled over and clutching our chest. So, so yeah, let's let's remember, family, that actions speak louder than words. And uh, what has been brought up over and over again by Moray is is communication, even those hard discussions. But just making this type of communication a part of our culture is something that I think would be really uh, beneficial. So, listeners, please remember to click the subscribe button so that you'll know about new episodes and tell your own circle about the beneath the surface podcast you know bring it up to someone point out the subscription button so that they can subscribe as well also if you're listening by uh, apple podcast please give us as many stars as you can we're trying to increase our listenership through that yeah and also if you're on twitter instagram or another social media platform we won't complain at all if you share this episode with your own friends and followers remember this is about nation building we're thankful that you've joined us um until next time keep up the good work out in your own respective spheres of influence especially regarding wellness it's nation time never ever forget peace Murray. peace